In five, four, three, two, one. Metal Gear. What's good? What's up? It's the Demo Team Podcast. We're here with Ridgeview today. How are y'all doing? Hey, doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Well, it's good to have you on the show today. Um, why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves and um, tell us what instrument or what role you play in the band that you guys are in? Yeah, how you uh, role play in the band. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for having us. Uh, I'm Joe. I play guitar and sing. Uh, I'm Evan. I'm the drummer. And my name is Steven. I play guitar in Ridgeview. All right, man. Well, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are a Sacramento-based band, right? We are. We are out of Sacramento. Very nice. Very nice. We we seem to interview a lot of uh, bands from that area. Um, so you guys were born and raised there. Did you guys go to shows early on before you even started the band? Um, actually, I think I'm the only one who's actually from the Sacramento area. Um, okay. Evan and our bass player's name is also Joe. They're from Kansas, um, and then Steven's from like the Central Coast um, of California. But yeah, I'm from the Sacramento area and have been going to shows here for, um, wow, a long time. So yeah, yeah, it's been a fun scene to be a part of. So um, I guess it's safe to say you went to like shows at the Boardwalk in Orangevale and um. There's like a smaller venue in Roseville, um, and it's like a lot of more local bands played there, and I can't seem to remember uh, the name of it. Years ago, there There's was the also... Underground. Yes, the mm-hmm. Underground. Yeah. I don't think that's around anymore. Either. And then there used to be Club Retro was around too, but that was kind of years ago too. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the Underground was pretty uh, memorable for me because, you know, I would see a lot of bands like uh, – Catherine, Dance Gavin Dance, Skylet Drive, back, you know, when they were all kind of local. Um, Heavy Heavy Lolo also played uh, there. There was also uh, Underground in Modesto as well. Um, but yeah, like, what? so what bands did you see, uh, like, back then, I guess, um, when, you, when you were just going to, like, local shows and whatnot? Like, specifically in Sacramento? Yeah, or where, where, wherever, man, wherever you guys got started out. I, I also want to hear what um, growing up in Kansas was like as well. Totally. Yeah, no, um, in SAC, I, I kind of grew up more um, in, like, the, the punk scene than, like, the post-hardcore scene. And so, like, I had friends that would play in metalcore bands and stuff. Um, but we were more kind of involved uh, with, like, the punk bands that were playing. Um, a Skylar Drive, though, so I'm actually from Elk Grove originally, which is, like, just south of Sacramento, and I remember seeing them um, at this coffee shop to, like, like me and, like, six or seven other people, because they're just from a little bit further down the road, I think, in Lodi, and it was before she watched this guy came out, and, like, I remember just standing there in this little coffee shop just going, holy smokes, this is, this is something else, and then, like, that band turned into what they turned into, which was cool. Um... But yeah, no, for us, there was there was a lot, especially like in the mid 2000s of like really cool um, kind of metalcore post hardcore bands in the SAC area. Um, But also the punk scene was was alive and well. And so that was super cool to be a part of or 
try to be a part of um, going to a lot of those shows. I think yeah, I, I mean, Sa- Sacramento was a good breeding ground for, a, like, a variety of genres, like, not just for kind of Swancore, but even back in, like, the drive through record days, there was that band Self Against City, um, and Angle was from Sacramento. Obviously, Deftones was, like, kind of, like, the biggest band to come out of there uh, prior to, like, all these, like, post-hardcore bands. They had a um, really good horse scene too out there. Like he had Fate and like Rise of Caligula. There was lots of good stuff going on out there. Yeah, right? yeah. Obviously, like a good hardcore scene too. Like Hoods. Did you guys or did yeah. you ever get to see them live? I never saw Hoods. No, they were always there. And what's the band? Is Lionheart is another sax hardcore band. Love um, Lionheart. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, those are, so those are like just kind of bands that you would see on flyers and stuff, but never had the chance to see. Um, oh well, Hoods used to um, hold like a festival in San Jose, where I'm from. It's you know a little closer to San Francisco, um, maybe like two and a half hours away from Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I would you know I got to see them a couple of times. My my homie um, uh, did vocals for them back when like their original vocalist went to jail before. Mikey Mikey Hood took over as a vocalist, so yeah, they're you know, uh, they've kind of been in in my life for a while. So I don't remember who grew up in Kansas, but how was that? Like, did you guys have a pretty good local scene? Yeah, this is Evan. I was the one um, who grew up in Kansas. Um, yeah, it was a great music scene in Kansas. Um, I uh, played in s- several bands. I've always had good luck finding great musicians there. Um, yeah. And growing up uh, playing in marching bands as well. Now, I'm trying to think, like, has there been any any bands that, that come out of there that have, uh, like, kind of established themselves e- either in, like, the punk, emo, post-hardcore scene? I know there's got to be, like, a handful of them. Honestly, well, yeah. uh, what no, part of yeah. Kansas were you from specifically? Um, it's pretty uh, close to Kansas City, Missouri. Um, All right. Yeah, that's where I went to college too. Like KU? Um, no, University of Missouri, Kansas City. Oh, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. As far as um, I don't know of any big punk bands that made it out of there, though. Um, there may have been. <laughs> yeah, like the only past. the only one that comes to life is or comes to mind is Boys Life, but they were like a '90s kind of like emo band, like very underground and stuff. But but they were pretty cool. There yeah, was some out of Omaha, but not Kansas City. I don't yeah, think yeah, no, Omaha, Omaha's Nebraska, and yeah, they've had a pretty badass. All right. Um. So, I guess let's take it back a little bit further. What, like, what were you guys listening to at a young age before you guys found like, you know, this like the whole post-hardcore emo scene? Like, what was it? Your guys's like introduction into music. Um. This is Evan. Um. I would say. Um, the first band I ever got obsessed with is Green Day. I pretty much played 
um, play drums to probably every Green Day song ever. <laughs> right and, on. Uh, let's see. After that, um, I got into System of a Down, Tool, um, much later, more recently, Alt J. Um, yeah, that's um, sort of a, a little bit of my influences. You, Stephen? Um, yeah, I grew up more like hardcore scene, metalcore, uh, early to mid 2000s kind of stuff. So definitely, definitely like metal influence riffs and stuff like that. And I got a little more mellow. Um, I think like, especially writing this EP, I think I was listening to a lot of Hope's Fall, um, and a lot of nineties, late nineties emo for sure. Dude, shout out to Hope's Fall and Adam Morgan, their drummer. That's the homie. Dude, they're a great band that kind of gets overlooked uh, as far as like early 2000s, like post-hardcore screamo bands. Oh, did yeah. You, did you ever get to see them live? You know, I never got to see them live. It was one of those bands I kind of um, came into contact with later and uh, just listened to like the satellite years and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, it would be it would have been incredible. They just put out a new album, Arbiter, and uh, I think was it 2018, and that was yeah, that was an awesome little Dude, comeback. It's a beautiful release. record for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I was lucky enough to see them. Um, they were touring with Under Oath, uh, The Chariot, and Fear Before, and that That's like awesome. that was a badass show. And um, when was that? that Ooh, that was like probably 2004 or five. Got it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard That's the chariot. My ears bad. perked up. I was like, is the chariot back? Like. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, no. That was back in the day. Like when the chariot first started um, after like Josh left uh, Norma Jean. Yeah. And oh, dude, their like stage presence was insane. <laughs> Do the chair, yeah, them, and then um, 68 after them. Josh just, like, that guy's on another level. Oh, yeah, yeah, 68 yeah. was badass as well. All right, um, yeah, so how'd you guys meet and, and start Ridgeview? Craigslist, man. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, we, so um, Evan and Joe grew up together in the Midwest and both kind of moved out here separately for work. Um, and then we, the three of us had been in a, a different project a couple of years ago. Um, and then that kind of ran its course. And then I don't know if Steven posted an ad on Craigslist or if I did. Um, but Steven and I kind of met that way. Um, and then we kind of jammed just with guitars a couple times. Um, and I had Evan and Joe in mind who are like, the i mean they've been playing drums and bass together for years and so they're the most locked in rhythm section and i was like this is the perfect lineup for this thing um and that was kind of it man that was like two years ago i think um and we kind of have just had our heads down writing and uh just kind of having fun with it and then when it was time to like actually come out and present these strong these songs back in the spring um, everything that happened in the spring happened, and then we were just kind of left where we're at now. Um, but yeah, no, Craigslist worked out. 
Yeah, dude, that um, that's kind of a trip. So you guys uh like met through that Craigslist ad like uh two years ago. You said. Uh, I think so. Yeah, it was like uh, I met Stephen or no, I met Evan and Joe back in I think 2016 or 2017, and then um the four of us started um working together in the end of 2018. Yeah, because that that was like a very common thing, like back in the early 2000s that's how you like you know you either met uh people and started a band because they were your friends or you met people through the local scene like going to shows and whatnot and then like the other option was craigslist like it was like i knew like so many bands that got together over uh craigslist ads and i don't know i think it's funny that it's still a thing that's pretty cool yeah very much so or like even bands who I mean, I think ours is such that, like, we, except for Joe and Evan, all kind of met that way. But there are so many that it's like, oh, well, we found this singer on Craigslist or we found whoever. Um, it is pretty helpful and, like, just the right amount of sketchy to where if you can get over that and, like, <laughs> drive to someone's apartment like I did. <laughs> I was like, it'll be fine. I just showed up. I was like, hey, um, it worked out, though, man. It's all right. All right. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I was going to say, when you mentioned, like, this will destroy you in the uh, ad, I feel like he's a pretty normal guy if he's going to write about them. So that's, I think that's what your post said, Joe. It said, like, uh, it's, you know, post-rock uh, project starting. I don't even remember. I like it. This will destroy you is a great band, so I'm okay with that if that's what I wrote. Yeah, he's got to be normal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you guys uh, released your debut album what in November um, called Sometimes You Have to Leave. And I got to tell you guys, it, it's a beautiful sounding album. So I'm like really interested, um, I guess, to kind of hear what like the writing process was. And, and also, um, I think I looked up who produced it, but, but now I can't remember. But it's somebody... Um, local to the Sacramento scene. I know that. Um, yeah. So, so tell us about, about the album. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you one for listening to it and, and two for uh, having kind words to say about it. We, uh, it was produced by Josh unit who is, he's there based out go. of Grass Valley and uh, yeah, he, he's incredible. Um, just in terms of the recording process, his ear and his attention to detail um it, it's unlike anybody that I've I've worked with in the past and we've I mean we've worked with great people and we've all been involved in music for um a pretty long time um and it was it was a really cool um and like a really relaxed recording experience and just the the ideas that he he brings as a producer um are are pretty amazing and he's just like a genuinely good dude and so um so yeah we recorded with Josh um we did the drums at Little Russia in Roseville, and then we recorded the rest um, at Josh's studio in Grass Valley. Um, but yeah, I know in terms of the writing process, it kind of, we didn't start with necessarily anything in mind, um, and we weren't trying to write a record or write an EP or, or do anything, I feel like. We just, we met up a couple years ago and just started um, writing songs. And so the first one we ever wrote was actually, uh, it's the, I think, fourth song on there called Dependence, and that's like the first thing we ever made as a four-piece. Um, and then from there, it really just kind of progressed 
naturally over the course of like a year or so. Um, we ended up writing, I think, 17 or 18 songs um, over the course of that time period and basically got to the point where I was like, all right, well, like, probably time to, time to do something with these. Um, and so we basically wrote all the song names on a whiteboard and picked the ones we liked. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been fun. It's, it's a really uh, collaborative writing process. All four people's heads are in kind of all the time sharing ideas and, and tweaking things. Um, we really take our time with stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's very much uh, all heads in. So it's cool. Uh, but yeah, yeah. No, we definitely took forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, it like, I, I mean, the finished product is awesome. Like, thank you. Like, like I said, the production sounds really good. The lyrics feel like very heartfelt. So do like, you know, like the melodies and the way that, that you guys delivered the songs. It like reminds me of uh, bands kind of like that, I guess later 2000s, like emo revival kind of vibe. Like, I don't know if you guys ever heard of like Have Mercy or Better Off. Yeah. Um, you know, just like fans. super, super heartfelt stuff like that, man. And I really well, dig thank, it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, um, Have Mercy in particular. Um, that Their first record's amazing. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we, we took our time and like lyrically, it's very, um, I don't know. A storytelling is important, I think, and um, I think the hopefully the ability to write something that is something somebody would connect with. It, it's funny, like just because we are such a new project, um, most of these songs I wrote never really thinking anybody would hear them, um, honestly. And so they all came out how they did, and it's it's been cool to see um, the response to that. Um, Especially because, like I said, we didn't have something clear in mind uh, as we were writing it. We've been hearing um, a little bit about like, how it's kind of like a, a throwback sound. And Stephen and I were talking about that the other day, how we didn't necessarily set out to do that. Um, but to hear comparisons to bands like Better Off and Have Mercy, that's, uh, that's high praise. These guys are... Yeah, right on. And exactly, it's um, more of, of a compliment than anything like... Um, anytime you can kind of like remind, you know, somebody of like, oh dude, like this, you know, of like this band that I used to really love that, you know, either fizzled out or isn't around anymore. I always, even though that, you know, like, you know, that's not really what you were trying to do. It's still like a great thing, you know, cause then it creates that whole, like for fans of, uh, you know, list and, uh, like I would definitely be recommending you guys to people that I know that are that are into that stuff. Um, Do you guys yeah. have any songs that uh, connect to y'all specific, uh, like particularly more than other ones? I guess, or like any favorites off your new EP? Um, yeah. Uh, for first, or I guess, kind of going back to that, it's definitely like taken as a compliment. Um, any like anytime someone says anything positive, like I definitely take that positively. Um, I think it's just been more surprising because when you go into something, just kind of writing what comes out, that's what comes out. So yeah, it's it's been cool and any connection is good. Um, my favorite song on the EP is probably Resolve. Um, it's the second to the last. Um, it's the longest song on there, and yeah, I just the I love 
playing that song. Um, I love watching Evan just destroy his drums on the buildup at the end. I'm excited to hopefully share that with audiences once it's safe to do so. And uh, yeah, that song, it's, it's a slower build, I think, than a lot of the other ones. Um, but it is probably my favorite one on there. Yeah, so I'm guessing you guys haven't got a chance to play any shows because of COVID, which is a bummer because I do really feel like your guys' music would, you know, like it, it would probably sound really awesome live. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, like, we'll see. There's a lot lot going on right now, hopefully sooner than later. Um, when it is safe to get out there and play them, we can, we can get out there and do it. Yeah, so have like what have you guys been doing at, at the meantime like in the meantime have you guys at least practiced uh playing live or uh, have you guys been uh working on writing new songs or anything? Mainly working on writing new songs. Um uh basically when we get together now, um not so much concerned with being super tight and playing shows. Uh no point in that right now anyways. Um but yeah, so mainly just experimenting and coming up with new ideas basically yeah for sure um have you guys oh sorry go on i was saying it's a lot of sharing files back and forth steven and i will be sending riffs back and forth and then um evan and steven are are roommates and so they can they can get loud works out yeah um yeah so have you guys tuned into any like live streams or anything like that like what what are your thoughts on on bands doing that type of thing. I saw um, after the fact. I saw that the one Touche did. Uh, Touche Moore did one for their um, their record release, which was amazing. Um, I think Dance record. Gavin Lance just did one the other day on like the Tower Bridge, which is like this bridge in Sacramento, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. I didn't I didn't see it, but I know that's happening. Um, I think it's great. Um, I don't necessarily think we have the audience to to do something like that at this point um i don't think anybody would tune in <laughs> but um but i think it's awesome i would tune in man fans. dude i'm just like <laughs> if you can find them we'll do it um <laughs> but i think it's awesome for bands that do have the audience to try to um do that in either a formal or an informal way i know um i don't know if you guys listen to movements but movements did like I think they just did like a Twitch stream of their practice room and I think they had the sound working and that's just kind of, they're just broadcasting in that way or they were, um, which is awesome. Yeah. Any way that you can, um, I don't know, share music, I think it's good. Yeah. It's been interesting to watch, um, you know, the different ways that bands choose to engage with, uh, like their audiences during this time. Totally. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely a lot of, of creative ways to do that. I guess one thing we're fortunate about living when we do is that technology kind of is what it is. And so um, there are ways to, to kind of keep in touch. Um, obviously, it doesn't like replace touring or simulate the experience of being in the room with hundreds of other people doing the same thing. But um, but it's temporary, you know. So. Yeah. Um... What were some uh, some uh, memorable shows you guys went to either before you know COVID happened or like when you guys were younger? Um, 
before you even started the band? Is there is there any shows that kind of uh, stuck out? Yeah, this one's actually recent. We were just talking about this um, before you guys jumped on. I'm looking at the poster from it right now. Um, Evan and I saw Circus Survive and La Dispute uh, at the UC Theater in Berkeley a couple years ago. Um, that was fantastic. Circus Survive's still one of my favorite bands, and that was, I think, the last time I saw them. Um, and so that one, and any time seeing Circa, definitely stands out. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen them, but they are insane. It's amazing. Dude. Yeah, Cir- Circa is like one of the best live bands for sure. Same thing with Law Dispute. Like, um, mm-hmm. me being like the older guy that I am, I was lucky enough to see Circa on like their first uh, headlining tour with a uh, receiving end of sirens um, days away. And uh, who else was on that tour? I can't remember right now. And uh, I've seen law dispute a couple times. Last time I saw them was actually in Brazil. Cause I, I travel around for work and it was definitely really cool being like in this tiny club and, uh, being in a room with a bunch of people that like English isn't their first language, but they were, you know, singing along to, to all the, all their songs. Especially when you sing along, sorry, just like something's buzzing. Especially if you singing along to a lot of spew. <laughs> like, right. That's, that's a, that's a tough sing along band. I've watched interviews with them where Jordan's like, yeah, they, they do it though, which is amazing. Um, just a bunch of well, uh, yelling. Well, I mean, speaking of that, y'all have a lot of, like, spoken word stuff in your music, too. I was wondering um, what inspired that, I guess. Um, yeah, you know, definitely um, bands like Lot of Spute. The first band I ever heard do that was Being as an Ocean, um, which means I'm probably late to the party because I know the spoken word thing is not a new thing. Um, but when I heard uh, their record, Dear God, um, and there was a couple songs on there that, like, the vocalist just does this, he dials back from the normal kind of yell he does. And I just thought it was super, super powerful. Um, and that's, it's fun to do. It's fun to write in that style. And so um, the last song on our EP is called Spring. Um, and that's just kind of that. It's a minute, I think, and a half, maybe. I'm just kind of a spoken word piece. And and I think it's cool. It's a different, um, a different way to express certain things. And I think that kind of adds a little bit of variety to the mix which is always welcome yeah being a being as an ocean is definitely one of the best to do it um i think the first band that i've heard do that was me without you um and it might have been oh, the yeah. first one. i'm not even sure uh but yeah i'm a huge fan of uh like, like you mean... mentioned being being as an ocean and pianos become the teeth totally totally, totally. I mean, it, wouldn't you guys say like like the Godfather of all, all that is like Bright Eyes? Yeah, I guess. They, I mean, again, I mean, yeah, I mean, Bright Eyes did have a lot of kind of like speaking parts, but mm-hmm. you still sing a lot. I don't know. Have you guys ever listened to Slint? Oh uh, yeah, they're like from the '90s, right? Yeah, they're a very unique band. They do a lot of like narratives in their songs. Pretty, pretty. Uh, ahead of their time for sure they remind me of another band i don't remember but it was like a kind of like almost like a a small scene back in the 90s of like slints and 
Um, I feel like Sonic Youth other. did that a little yeah, too. Yeah, Sonic Youth kind of was in that group too. For but sure. Yeah, Slint's a cool band. I mean, Social Distortion wanted a Pepsi, and it was very spoken word. Social <laughs> D. <laughs> Shoot, howdy, y'all. Uh, oh, what's up, David? Yes, they're just jumping in. So, yeah, I know y'all mentioned uh, some old, like some older influences in music, and when the spoken word part came up, it immediately, well, I don't know what my first. Uh, you know, taste the spoken word was, but it immediately made, reminded me of a lot like birds. And I know a demo team and I have been talking about them. I thought you were going to say Hobo Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Most people, most people consider that an insult. So no, I, I wouldn't say that. I don't mind Hobo that much, but. Dude, but no, some anyway. of those Hobo Johnson songs though are amazing. Like yeah, they hit stuff. hard. I'm I not going to lie. Yeah, like, dude, I some of that stuff, that just course. cuts to the soul. Like it's like, damn. <laughs> that, like his delivery is so good like I don't care what anybody says right there with you <laughs> yeah no, I, I think people are too hard on the guy like I just, uh, I just appreciate the vigor he brings <laughs> yeah he's from Sacramento too I believe he is he is indeed so you are saying a minute ago a lot like birds oh yeah yeah uh, like I don't really listen to a lot of spoken word stuff myself but uh you know that's somewhere it definitely popped up especially um with the vocalist Corey. i know he likes doing that here and there especially more in like sufferer but no um just in general when you're talking about like oh like some of our stuff sounds like it's uh, kind of referencing older material i did get like dreamy emo vibes here and there like <laughs> like mid early like like just kind of like the more chiller slower moments definitely got that emo vibe going and I was curious, like, uh, for, like, maybe another project, um, what direction y'all might be working on? Because you said, you know, it was just, we're kind of writing in the moment, whatever. But shoot, any directions moving forward? Yeah, um, you know, we've got some options there. Uh, that's something, that's a conversation we've even been having, because we Always. have been, I mean, yeah, because we have been writing a lot, and there's kind of a lot of different sounds that are coming out of it. Um, yeah, so we're going to kind of find out, I think. I don't think there's a, a set direction in mind yet. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, you got to feel it out. Yeah, we're, it, it, we don't want to be too in, intentional with it, I think. Um, I, I was, Steve and I were talking about this the other day, but whenever I like try to make something sound like something, it usually sucks. And so like, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to make it be like this type of thing it usually does not turn out anything like what i was going for and so i feel like when it just you just start playing it whatever happens happens that's don't tell me you're going for the gen 2021 huh say that one more time you're going for the gen this next year huh yeah so we all bought eight string guitars um, <laughs> and i don't know what's below drop a but we're gonna find it, and that's actually the name of the next record. I don't know what's drop a it, flat. Yeah, <laughs> drop a flat. Yeah, <laughs> and it's gonna be all spoken word, but it's all just gonna be the same sentence for forty minutes. So <laughs> you guys have that to look forward to. The fans will love that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they'll definitely tune into that live stream. <laughs> <laughs> 
hey, yeah, if anything, for like, you know, people around in like the mid 2000s, like they ever, well, actually, no. If they if they had live streams back then, you think there would just be spoken word live streams of like people's EPs? <laughs> Maybe, yeah, it'd be like, uh, like the MySpace sessions. <laughs> uh, that'd be crazy. All right, so uh, looking back at, at 2020, what were your guys's, uh, yeah, some of your guys's favorite releases? Oh man, um, first one that comes to mind is Touche. Uh, I'm totally spacing on the name of it now. It, it's always usually like a long name. Lament. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, obviously. Yeah, so oh. uh, Lament by Touche is probably the biggest one for me. Um, no Good Left to Give was great. Movements put that out kind of, I think, also in the fall. Um, those are probably my big two. I don't know about guys. Oh man, I'm having trouble thinking. You know, it's 2020's been blur. Definitely feels like it, right? Seriously, though. Went by too quickly, but not quickly <laughs> enough. <laughs> Cash, do you have any uh, questions for the guys? Yeah. Uh, I guess I do like your album art on your EP. It's kind of a throwback. I was kind of wondering who did that what you're kind of going for i guess so this was a graphic design artist that we actually found on just one of those you know pay per hire websites and she would she kind of had the aesthetic down we kind of just described it and um sent it in and then uh she kind of joe joe came up with kind of the, the he kind of conceptualized the idea of it and then she kind of just drew the artwork and it the color scheme was kind of i think all of us just talking about what would match all right. Do you want to shout her out yeah. real quick, or do, do you know Joe? I'm trying to remember. Uh, her name is. Let me pull up the credits. I'm totally facing. We on were kind of looking at like um, artwork from like a band called the Casket Lottery. Um, we look. We like some of their artwork. Um, I'm trying to think of like aesthetic wise. We had if there was other like bands that were inspiring that artwork. Yeah, I just I think it was. Steven kind of, you had the idea of the more um, almost like minimalist animated feel, which was uh, new to me, but I loved the idea. And so um, we had the first song is called Terminal B, which is um, kind of has a lot of airport references, a lot of direct airport references. But um, so the idea of just a, a airport terminal kind of came to mind. And so, yeah, her name is Evelise Alvarez. And uh, right. yeah, we, we found her on, on Fiverr <laughs> and she, no, but dude, like we looked through so many people's work and she was great to work with and, and totally captured, um, kind of the feel that we were going for with that. Um, yeah, but yeah, we were super happy with how it turned out. Um, for sure. Right on. You know, you know, Cash, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, with the album title in mind with the little caption, it really sets up the idea of, you know, you, you know, you know, you don't want to leave that relationship, that situation. But, hey, man, put on your shoes, put on your coat, get your luggage together. It's time to leave. You know, like I, I kind of like that, how it sums it up. I love that, like, perspective on it. Um, 
Yeah, no, we, yeah. <laughs> we were trying to figure out what to, to call it because um, we, we had all these songs. And um, of the ones that we picked that were going to make it, we kind of noticed that lyrical theme of really just transitions. And so you've got the first couple songs, which are pretty on the nose about like people leaving situations. Um, but even as it progresses, that's just uh, a theme that that kept showing itself. And so um, the last song we wrote for the EP was that first song, Terminal B. And the last line of it is, um, I know sometimes you have to leave. And so that just kind of lended itself to that, I thought, pretty well. And so that's what we rolled with. Right on. Um, so I was kind of wondering, what are, what is y'all's uh, musical backgrounds? I remember one of y'all mentioning marching band. Yeah, that was me, Evan. Um, I kind of uh, started playing uh, like concert snare drum probably in elementary school. Kind of did school bands um, all throughout middle school, high school, did marching bands. Um, Also been playing in band, like in uh, like rock bands, middle school. and also uh, tried majoring in music for a year, but I just hated it. Um, I thought it kind of was sucking the love out of music a little bit, making it that serious. But um, yeah, so that's my background. And um, yeah, so I just love it. I didn't know you are a music major. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like learning stuff. You know, that's not the first time that's happened where someone realized they like, we're like a music major like on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i've been playing guitar since probably like a little bit after high school i just kind of picked up a guitar and started trying to write stuff that i was listening to at the time and uh this is really my first serious project so but it's been really awesome to work with these guys and collaborate right on and then, yeah, I started out as a, a drummer, actually. Um, the first couple bands I played in, um, I was playing drums in, like, street punk bands. So, like, bands like The Casualties or, uh, like, Minor Threat or uh, kind of Loud Fast. And then, um, but I wanted to be able to write songs, um, which has always been kind of the whole point of music to me is, like, I want to be able to create something um, just for the sake of kind of creating it. And so got into playing guitar from there and then, played kind of guitar and punk and hardcore bands until this one um and this is i guess the mellowest i've ever gone and i I still don't think we're we're super super mellow but by comparison it's a it's definitely a departure so it's been fun to explore stuff that's not like breakneck fast and uh aggressive so it's cool do you think uh, playing drums has affected like your like your guitar playing i guess like like has it influenced it per se because i've um, noticed a lot of people who go from drums to another instrument like they kind of they'll be doing a lot of interesting stuff i think it's just had an impact in terms of like just kind of my general songwriting um just because i typically have something pretty clear in mind for the drums even though that might sometimes be inconvenient or overstepping sorry evan um <laughs> but like I so like I I think of things I'm like okay what would be an interesting drum thing here and then Evan does something that's infinitely better and I'm promptly returned to where I should be so um but yeah so I think 
if it, if it impacts guitar playing, um, maybe, but definitely, definitely in terms of songwriting. Um, I feel like when you start as a drummer, you kind of have that ear um, that you listen for transitions and things like that. At least I do. And so, um, yeah, but definitely found found home playing the guitar. Uh, do you guys have a, um, like some favorite drummers? Um, I guess for some of my favorite drummers, I guess probably Danny Carey and Tool. Um, also the drummer and Alt J um, are two to come to mind. Nice, Danny Carey. Or I'm friends with uh. Danny Carey's niece, I guess. I'm, well, not really friends anymore, but we were classmates uh, in like middle school and high school. Oh, wow. wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Crazy. Uh, how about you, Joe? Um, I don't know his name, but I think. Uh, the drummer from Lot of Spute is pretty cool. Um, he he's really interesting. Um, I think because of and it him and then like if you listen to later pianos become the teeth. I really like when drummers like can go crazy, but really like choose the best thing for the part. Um, I think that a lot of times minimalist drumming can be more impactful than like super super technical drumming. And I really like the way. And I'm sp- I don't know if his name's Chad, the guy from Lot of Spute. I really like the way he um, does that. Very, just kind of, he, I mean, he goes for it a lot of the time, but he really knows how to hold back, um, which I think is important. Yeah, I totally get that, that whole minimalist thing, because, I mean, like, two of my favorite drummers, and it's like both sides of the coin, like, I, I really enjoyed a, uh, Derek Bloom from from first to last, and he was you know pretty flashy, had a lot of good fills, um, but I also really enjoyed uh, Abe Cunningham's drumming from Deftones, and he's more of like a reserved drummer, um, you know, like he would almost do like almost kind of like simple hip hop beats, and I, I felt like it really served the Deftones sound better. Than trying to go like ham, like I don't know, like a Travis Barker or something. Totally, and you, you you're right when it's like there are definitely situations that call for it. Um, one of my favorite hardcore bands is Defeater, and nice. like if you ever see Defeater live, like that dude just goes absolutely nuts. He's so fun to watch play the drums, um, and it works. Like it totally worked for that band. Um, but then there's others where a little bit more kind of four on the floor is what's going to serve it better so ryan do you have any questions of course so i i'm curious uh the band name is ridgeview is that like a reference to something is that somewhere that you guys like met or is it just like a reference to something it's uh it's the street i was living on when the band started it's my wife's first my wife and my first apartment was on ridgeview circle um which I know is like the the generic band name thing, but like we needed a the name. Generator. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we were. It works though. Like it, it's a pretty uh cool name, and you know it stands out. Thank you. Yeah. You actually, we, have a story to. Go ahead. 
I was saying you actually have a story to tell with it. It's not like, oh, I just looked in a book and it was there. Yeah, yeah, no, and like it is, it is nostalgic. Um, just seeing that it was, especially like that was my first apartment with my wife, and so that was cool. Um, but for a band name, yeah, it, it works. We're we're happy with it. It's, I'm sure you've awesome. heard people say this before, but like picking a band name is almost harder than writing songs. Like you just have, it's to actually like have four or five people decide on something. You just have to pick something eventually. Yeah, definitely. Um, my next question would be, um, as you guys have grown as musicians and like, you know, you collect and you play with different artists and stuff, what's like the best piece of musical advice you guys have ever picked up during your time as musicians? Hmm, that's, I would say, kind of, I mean, we all kind of have different styles, which is difficult sometimes, but it's also awesome. So I would say just play your natural style, what comes right, because if you try to force something, it's just not going to feel right when it, even at the end result. Super sick. Same question to everybody else, if, if you guys all want to take a crack at it. Um, yeah, I would say, um, just really trying to get a sense of the music and what you're actually playing with. And um, I guess I kind of like to think of it um, is that not only if it feels right to play, but also would this be something that I guess I would actually like to listen to on headphones um, later um, also. So I guess that, that that's something I think about a lot is, um, yeah, not only does it feel right, is it interesting enough where it actually want to listen to it later basically yeah, that's that's solid advice right there if i've ever heard any yeah the one that i heard was um basically don't say no to any idea before you actually hear it um it's real especially as you're demoing stuff and i know you guys have either played in bands or still play in bands when you're demoing so you hear something a suggestion that's not necessarily something that's in your head it's easy to think no that's not going to work um whereas like once you actually hear it in the mix you can you can decide either way but not taking the couple minutes or however long it takes to actually flush that idea out um could be like a mistake the song could benefit from whatever that thing is so really just making sure that whatever the idea is just to at least try it um so you know for sure because there's been some like ideas that I, I think any of us probably would have thought well it probably won't work like that and then you hear it and you're like well there it is um yeah gotta keep an open mind you know totally totally yeah that's that's solid that's really good advice so like with what you guys have released so far what do you guys feel like like one song or perhaps like one like riff or one something inside of your music what do you feel carries like the most like emotional weight to you guys what do you hear from your music and like you when you hear it it's just like wow i did that that is like a very i'm really proud of that and, like it gives you like an emotional response damn <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. that's a yeah, loaded that's, question man that's great wow no. um well, Josh, you got to talk about Josh because he, Josh unit yeah. definitely helped um, open up 
a can of emotion for sure. I think just through like the way he tracks and I mean, we definitely had some ideas going in, but he kind of added that got us to that next level for sure. I guess like, uh, you know, sonically. Yeah. That level of production, we definitely, um, I don't think we've ever like outright talked about it, but I think we just all assumed we'd be recording with Josh again in the future. Just cause he really does bring such, um, he, he, can take things to another level production wise and he's just a really creative guy um in terms of like what's impactful um that's tough like there's so many little things that you hear in songs that you remember like the afternoon that you sat down and oh we figured out this part that afternoon or like there's there's certain parts of these songs that came together all at once and there's parts that are really really minor things but that we spent two months thinking about it. Um, and so I don't know, I think, I think it varies based on, on the day, on your mood. Um, certain days you're feeling more things or some things more than others, but yeah, I, I think maybe just those thinking, really thinking through those, those moments of like, wow, this is what we did to create this in the way that four of us and then Josh being a fifth kind of um, made this thing and, and put it together. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're, I think we're all, like, I don't want to speak for everybody. I'm super proud of the way this thing turned out, um, definitely. I don't, I I don't know why, answer. but I really enjoy when, like, bands have a good relationship with a producer and they end up, you know, like, working with them on, like, future projects. So that that's cool uh, to hear because, like, like I said, I really enjoy the production on this album. So I'm definitely looking forward to you guys uh wanting to work with josh again totally yeah we definitely uh look forward to doing it and like it's exciting because now we have i mean i think we spent a little under a week recording the cp and so but now you have a week's worth of rapport and for those bands that have been recording with the same guys for for years and years and years like it makes sense that they they're even more locked in as time goes on you just kind of get used to each other's tendencies and preferences and it's definitely a fun part of the creative process yeah i guess um that's a good question do you guys have um any like producers that you guys enjoy like uh will yip is one of my favorite ones he's done yep. stuff with uh title fight tiger's jaw i believe law dispute mm -hmm. um you know a lot of those bands and like i don't know what what some of your guys's uh favorite producers or um, if you Will Yip is super rad. Like everything he touches is amazing. Uh, there's a guy in Cal Northern California called Jack Shirley, and he does a lot of the heavier stuff. And you being from San Jose, you've probably heard of Jack. Um, he does some really good kind of like just anything that has a little heaviness to it, he's going to get a really good sound. So he records on tape too. Jack Shirley, I, man, that is not ringing a bell. Do you know any of the bands that, that uh, he's worked with? Yeah, he did like Death Heaven, Death Heaven, Sunbather. Um, oh, dang! Okay. Atomic Garden, I think, is the name of his. He's done a lot of like screamo and, um, uh, yeah, just like really crazy heavy stuff. But I'm, it's not even like the genre I listen to a ton. But everything he does is just like really. He gets a lot out of good bands. So. Yeah, those. Oh man, those uh, Death Heaven records, like or Haven records, sound amazing. Totally, man. Yeah, it's it's good stuff for sure. But Will Yip is definitely the top at his game. I th I mean, he's 
he's gotten the turnover stuff is amazing. Dude, yes, I love the turnover stuff. And like fun fact, uh, he played bass on um, on Lauren Hill's uh, like uh, what what's that album that was uh, really Miseducation? Or... Yeah, Miseducation of uh, Lauren Hill. Like he played bass on that. Oh really? Right. That's, that's yeah. You did. <laughs> <laughs> Where's he? Where, he's in Philadelphia, or yeah, he's something? in Philadelphia. In yeah, and uh, he's been setting up his um studio for live streams. Like I know Tiger's Jaw uh did one, and the starting line's gonna do like three different live streams um in his studio. I want to say the Menzingers just did one too. Oh shoot. Yeah, but definitely, uh, and anything that he produces, like I gotta listen to it. Dude, totally. He kind of like I feel like most of the bands in genres similar to kind of what we're into have been produced by Will Yip in the last couple of years. He's kind of taken over, and that's definitely not a complaint. Yeah, he was he was definitely producing like most of the Run for Cover bands. Uh, yeah. You know, back when Run for Cover had like all the good bands on that label <laughs> think <laughs> I don't know how they ended up doing that but they really like struck gold totally for a while there yeah some labels just have it for um the right time and place you know yeah Starting the right bands and it's good stuff I'll play a little drums <laughs> 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 so, I mean, we're pretty close to the one hour mark. Do, do any of uh, the guys have any more questions? Um, I was wondering, are there any bands y'all would like to play shows with in the future? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Go I got into it. your head right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, probably a lot, but like any Bobo Johnson, major, or any, all or, uh, yeah, the bands, every band. Uh, no, um, <laughs> for, in Sacramento, um. We're really into this band Weathering. Um, we're into this band Ease. Actually, Josh, who produced our EP, plays guitar in that band Ease. They're really good. Um, Fake It's Awesome. Uh, Farewell Familiars from a little bit further south. Um, so it'd be cool to play with them. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. We're, we're pretty much down. Um, what's another, I'm just trying to think Sacramento band. C4 Cinema's great. Um, yeah. Oh yeah! Shout out to those guys. They're cool. Yeah, cool. Oh. We, we love them. But we we're Anthony's them. top podcast. So yeah, shout, shout out, out to right. Anthony on underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he's our top listener. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony, number one fan. Very good. Very good. Um, I guess I'll end I'll end it with um what have you guys been listening to recently? Like uh besides I know you guys uh, have mentioned the new law dispute a couple of times. Is there anything else that's on your recent listens that's worth checking out? It doesn't have to be new, could be um, you know, some go tos. I guess uh one thing I've been obsessed with recently is prolific <laughs> Um, I'm not sure if any of you guys heard of that. Uh, the New Devils, New Level, New Levels album. It's probably it's not like pop punk or anything, but 
that's been one I've been pretty obsessed with. Did you did say you that? Read, who, yeah. Who did that? They're crazy, dude. Their guitar work is. I've never heard people play guitar like that. Yeah, I've never heard people play guitar like that. Um, it's kind of, it's almost like hip hop meets like progressive, um, like metal almost. <laughs> it's it's pretty out there. Meets funk. <laughs> Super interesting. Yeah. Wait, who'd you say it was Polyphia? Yeah, P O L Y. Oh no no yeah we know Polyphia, or. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're yeah. they're awesome. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guitar player, but he he was in the studio with like Trippy Red and Tillian from Dance Gavin Dance a while back, and I'm really interested to to see what they came up with if it ever you know uh get gets uh uploaded and never will to like onto like Apple and Spotify and all that stuff. Should be interesting. Um, let's see, local bands, yeah, for sure. I've been listening to a lot of Fake It. Um, they're a pretty amazing band. If you like, if you like Pedro the Lion, you're gonna like them. They're pretty have a Ooh. pretty cool aesthetic. Yeah, they're they're very. Uh, they they seem like they blend a lot of genres, but they're a fun one. I can't wait to play with them. Um, but yeah, just I'm always listening to like a lot of old '90s emo and slowcore and stuff like that. You know, just kind of going backwards. Okay, uh, give me some of your favorite, uh, maybe like top three '90s like like emo bands. Ooh, man, it's hard to narrow it down. Uh, probably Mineral, Texas. All right. Is the Did you and say Texas is the reason? Yep. That's number one for me, man. Love that band. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's a band that. If they would have just hung on a little longer, they would have been huge. They would have been like Jimmy Eat World, I think. Yeah, it it because they kind of came out at like a weird time where, I mean, they all they, you know they like all of the guys in in that band were in like hardcore bands, and it was kind of in that weird shift where there wasn't enough emo bands to tour with, so they were touring with like you know a lot of hardcore bands and stuff, and. Like you said, if they would have stuck it out a little bit longer, you know, they probably would have been touring with, like, the Get Up Kids and whatnot. That's so true, yeah. Um, that's another great band. So, I mean, it's pretty funny how you can just be a little early or a little late, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. What about you, Joe? What have you been, what have you been rocking lately? Um, I tend to, like, pick a band or two and then just, like, deep dive it for, like, a while and so for me it's been uh billy talent you remember that nice and yeah. uh this year it's been a lot of manchester orchestra um and so pretty yeah yeah so between those two i've been pretty much obsessed and honestly though like we just being kind of home more this year than normal i've just been listening to a lot of podcasts honestly um so like um yeah Need oh, what are some I have of your uh, favorite podcasts? I'm a I'm a big podcast fan. Um, top two right now are 100 Words or Less, um, and then Lead Singer Syndrome, which is uh the dude from Silverstein. Yep, Shane told that yep. that's my favorite. Um, I don't know if you know, but um, Buddy Nielsen from Census Fail just started a a podcast. I think he's maybe like three or four 
um, like episodes in, and it's called The Change of Sound. And okay. basically, he interviews like people from other bands, and they have to pick like one album that changed their lives. So the dude oh, from awesome. Counterparts, uh, I, I don't know, went on and talked about the first used record. Um, the dude, uh, yeah, Chris Connolly from Saves the Day talked about uh, the li- first Lifetime record. It's a it's a really cool podcast. That's awesome. You have to check it out. Yeah. What's the name of that? Okay. Good. The Change of Sound. Buddy Nielsen. I was going to say, since you mentioned Manchester Orchestra, if you've never checked out the singer's side project, uh, right away, Great Captain. It's like really primo stuff. I was going to say, like, your guys' music kind of reminded me of that Manchester Orchestra and like right away, Great Captain vibe. So definitely uh, all about them, too. Dude, like back back in the day, MySpace used to have like these free uh, secret shows. And like me and my friends stumbled upon one, and it was in San Francisco. And it was uh, Kevin Devine opened for Manchester Orchestra and Brand New. And you know, before uh, Brand New got like Me Too'd and all that stuff. So yeah. it was pretty cool. Like they played uh, the bottom of the hill in SF, and it's like a relatively small venue. Totally. Wow. And you guys just stumbled onto it? Yeah. Well, like, I think, uh, um, you know, they like, they like the main, or Tom or whoever, like, makes like a bulletin post, like, maybe like an hour before the show happens. And like, we, like, me and some friends were on our way to, to go to San Francisco just to like hang out. And then we're like, well, I guess we're going to the bottom of the hill. <laughs> I guess our plans changed. Yeah. <laughs> also, side note, it's been so long since I've heard someone say Tom posted a bulletin. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> like, that's, it took me a second. I was like, Tom. I was like, wait, no, Tom from MySpace. Got it. Dude, this, uh, this, pod, or, yeah, this episode has been a lot of throwbacks. MySpace, Craigslist. Too funny, man. Too funny. <laughs> 90s email. We'll We'll throw Friendster in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Moses, did you ever go to shows at the Story House in San Jose? The Story House? Um, yeah. No. I went to the shows at, at the Cave in San Jose. So I don't know if the Story House was after. Yeah, it was probably sometime after the cre- uh, the Cave in which was a church, like it, like it wasn't inside the church, but the church had like, uh, um, they had like a connecting building, and every Friday and Saturday, so they would have shows and like Heavy Heavy Lolos from uh, San Jose. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but yeah. they were probably like you know the biggest band from the scene to kind of blow up from there, and you know they they would play there every Friday, along with like a bunch of other bands that were really good, but you know, they, they didn't blow up. He is legend came through there. Um, I saw Anthony green, you know, play with Sayos and it wasn't at, at the cave, but it was, it was a, like the venue that was the venue to go to before the cave. Um, but yeah, I I don't remember the San Jose house or, or whatever it's called. Yeah, I just remember 
up there once for a show. It's very, very DIY kind of punk house, but they had some definitely some good stuff going. You know on. what? I I think I know what house you're talking about because I think I remember Man Overboard. Um, they played there like they they're like a pop punk band that was on Run for Cover Records, but before they got signed, um, and released like their their first album, they actually played a, a um. At a, a house show in downtown San Jose, so it was probably that house. That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. I saw like Touche Amore in a house, and I, to be honest, I wasn't even a huge fan of them at the time. But I went to the show, and it's up on YouTube. And it was there was, and they were actually somewhat big. You know, they were they had just they were playing one of their songs, that song called Amends, for like the very first time. And it was like there's probably there oh, could wow. have been forty people there. Um, it was amazing. That's yeah, cool. I, think by, like... I think by the time they were having the shows at at the house, was, I was like a little bit older, so it felt kind of weird going to like <laughs> I don't know some random person's house for shows. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> could be a part of history, man. <laughs> he already is. <laughs> we'll play shows. We'll play kitchens. We'll play closets. <laughs> you hear that? Your house is in danger. Ridgeview wants to play. You know, there, there's there's bands that are down to play at a Denny's. That's pretty cool. Dude, that's Dude. a dream. <laughs> what the fuck is up, Denny's? Dude, that that would be like the coolest fucking show to play. Like those guys will oh, yeah. live forever in infamy as the Denny's band. Dude, I forget what band it was, but I'm pretty sure it's a pretty well-known band. Um, and they, they're like, there's a video of them playing a live show, like at a house, and like, I think it was like one of their guitar players was making an omelet like during one of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Things to research after this conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess we'll we'll end it on that. Um, thank you for coming on. Yeah, hey, thanks so much for having us. We appreciate you taking where, the time. Where can people find you, by the way? Um, what's your guys' uh, social media handles? Is it just Ridgeview? It's uh, Ridgeview Band. Um, and I think the only social media page we actually like run is on Instagram. And so it's just at Ridgeview Band. And then we're on Bandcamp, Spotify, or anywhere else you can stream music. Sounds good. You know, everybody, make sure to check out their their new EP. It's really good. Um, you know, I can't say, or yeah, I, I can't even think of like good enough things to say about it. But I've been enjoying it. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Hey, thanks, thanks again so much. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Come back yeah. anytime y'all want. It means a lot. Thank you very much. It's really fun. All right, you guys take care now. Which a lot of like a lot of people don't know that um that Black Eyed Peas song, like the original version, doesn't say let's get it started in here. Yeah, I know. I think I had um back in the day when people used to share like. I don't know, drives with like music on it or whatever, or like flash drives or whatever, things like that. I had like had like the original like Black Eyed Peas album on it or something. So yeah, exposed to that in early age. 
<laughs> a, a real monster the shame, secret. you know? Yeah. What's Black Eyed Peas like best song? Um, I personally like Meet Me Halfway because it's not a, like an annoying pop number like most of their stuff. It actually feels like like a old typey ballad, but I, I don't like, know. I, I know that um, I like I know the I know that name, but I can't remember the melody or anything. Can you meet me halfway? Right on the borderline. You know what I'm talking about? No, I'm sorry. So that I album, mean, uh, it sounds tonight, bad. So. Same album. Yeah, it sounds terrible. But uh, it's on the same album as tonight. We're going to have a good time. I would say that would have been their best song if it didn't get overplayed. <laughs> that song crammed down our throats like hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> My band in middle school played it. Dude, I went, I went to like a church youth group and like the church band played it and they played it over but and over they play and like over a punk again. They played like, something? huh? Do they play like a punk version or something or make it like spicy or they just, just play like it? a just like a band version and it was All more right. like, you know, tonight's gonna be a good night because Jesus is that, gonna that gonna album. Touch us. Yeah, definitely. Definitely they was a banger. For... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably like a good like bar mitzvah song. Yeah, I mean, not the album with like uh, I got a feeling like I like like you know, like boom boom pow rock that body I'm a, all that stuff like the heavy beats or whatever that that's yeah, all it cool. It was like it had like a like at the time that was like the a real rich sound. underground. Oh, yeah, like, that shit yeah. was, like, fresh as fuck. But, like, as Moses said, like, they literally, like, crammed the fuck out of that album. Like, I, I, if I was a band, I would want the Black Eyed Peas treatment for my band, because they definitely, like, forced Made lots shit. of money off yeah. of that, yeah. Dude, how how yeah. that yeah. happen? Like, what record label were they on? Dude, like, seriously, like... I can remember, like I like they have all kinds of songs. Like they got like uh like don't mess with my, my heart. Lovely lady like love. Yeah, all those <laughs> songs were nowhere near as pushed as hard as like fucking good good time. You know what I mean? Like I, how did I don't they know. get that I feel production? Like they all, they I were kinda... all pushed pretty well. That good time album though. Like I want to uh, whatever tonight. It's gonna be a good night. Like that album. Like actually had solid stuff on i think the stuff before was just kind of mm-hmm. like pop garbage but like i think i think it's called the end was actually like it had solid stuff on it for well sure. they were they were actually a group before uh fergie even joined and they were more mm-hmm. like the underground hip-hop group yeah they weren't making fergie, those like fergie was like, their, was like their industry plant or some shit yeah yeah she was an industry plant for sure yeah because that like she's like like, how, do, how are you associated with these guys? Like, these don't even look like people that would be friends with you. They're, like, talented. How does this happen? <laughs> Some producer somewhere is like, hey. Hey. Hey, hey guys. Hey. This is my niece, Fergie. Just, just let us sing on the song. Good girl. Dude, fu- funny enough, um, I was listening to the the 
lead singer syndrome podcast and um, fergie was on it <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the the vocalist of of pod was on it and i totally forgot that uh katie perry before she even had a singing career her first debut was a uh, singing like doing a feature on on a pod album <laughs> she was even on the music video and did like a couple of like tonight show appearances with them and that was before I wow. kissed a girl, before she signed to MySpace Records. But this was after We Are, We Are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, it was the album after that. Wow, that's crazy, dude. That's a small-ass world. Like, in here I thought she was just some gym class hero junkie. No, no, she she was actually, <laughs> um, she was like a pastor's daughter. I think she tried, um... You know, being like a, a Christian singer type of thing yeah. didn't didn't work out. Quite pan out. So she like kind of like got that bluegrass movement that kind of like Paramore got, where like you push her through like the the circuit of Warp Tour and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden major record labels are like, oh, you know what? We're gonna just start pushing this shit. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I guess they yeah. they kind of came up around the same time to be honest like it was very early on those like myspace days yeah like, it's a crazy time for music for sure it, you definitely don't see that kind of stuff happening right right now with music like you got people getting scooped off tiktok and twitter and shit like yeah this that, is your new that's music. like the new the new version of that yeah it sucks I mean, I mean, you can't really do it like you used to anyway, because with the current pandemic and shows being just fucking non-existent, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Marketing is everything. Man, we, we'll definitely have to talk to, like, uh, Anthony about that when we get him on the show. Just, like, get, like, a insider scoop on, like, what marketing well, is like. Anthony Fantano on the show? Dude, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Pachecho. I already Pacheco? told you I don't... the roast of Fantano. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't need old white dudes telling me what's what's cool and what's not. Who's in here, buddy? Not not Anthony Fantano or that, that other guy, the punk rock NBA guy. Shane McKinney? Yeah. McKinty? McKinney. He was nice to us. He shared our meme yeah, he's and cool. didn't credit us. He didn't like credit him. us. <laughs> I said that. That's exactly what I said. He didn't, he didn't credit us. We had to be like, oh, thanks for retweeting our meme. <laughs> thanks for retweeting our meme, buddy. Pow, I remember the friend. first time he did that, we were like, holy fuck, we made it. Fans, I mean, McFitty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> No. I was like, the best McKinsey. part about this is he'll never hear it. Us. Yeah. <laughs> that man's too busy for us. But, hey. Fuck it. So, what about them recent listens, guys? Like, you guys been listening to stuff recently with your ears? Yeah. Um, so, the trees, uh, the wind, the water. Obviously, we, we've all, you know been talking about uh mf doom's passing which kind of yeah. sucks we, the weird thing about about that was is i was gonna have him on my recent listens uh 
today because a couple weeks ago, like I think it was on the 18th, uh, he well, yeah, the bad, bad, not good. Um, debut. Who I saw, they're song. awesome, by the way. Huh? I've seen them before. They're really good. Oh yeah, they're I great. I saw them with uh, who's with one of the members Wu Tang at South by Southwest. Oh yeah, he's they do a lot of stuff with like Ghostface. Um, yeah, Ghostface Killer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they debuted a new song uh that featured MF Doom. Literally on the 18th on uh, Grand Theft Auto Radio, which I didn't even know that Grand Theft Auto Radio Online was a thing because I don't really play anymore. But that that's pretty cool that that's like a avenue to debut music. Um, Cooler than Fortnite. Tell you oh, that. yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got the same 12-year-old audience still listening to it, though. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely uh definitely sad that that he passed away. Um very very sad. Like he was a huge uh inspiration to me and he's kind of what really got me into underground hip hop when I don't know like I I guess I kind of found him at a time where I just really got tired of like post hardcore and scene music, like crabcore started making its way, and I guess more generic sounding metalcore bands like Memphis Mayfire, just awful sounding bands. <laughs> <laughs> no shade. Um, yeah, where I was like, I guess I need to listen to like some new shit, and yeah, I just. Uh, really got into like Def Junks and Rhyme Sayers, like a lot of underground hip hop, and obviously like he completely stood out. Um, yeah, so R.I.P. to the legend, man. Yeah, and, he's uh, definitely one of my top tens for sure. Oh, for so, sure, he's he's yeah. like, you know, top five for me. But yeah, he like like I said, Bad Bad Not Good has that new song uh, called The Chocolate Conquistadors with MF Doom. Um, also, uh, Illenium, like, dropped a new song with Lights, and it's really good. Uh, I think a couple months ago, he dropped a song with Angels and Airwaves, so I don't know. Like, I always think it's interesting when EDMs, uh, like, artists start collaborating with people from quote unquote the scene so who knows maybe we'll get that adventure club dance gavin dance song pretty soon or you know maybe we'll get kurt travis on a porter robinson song <laughs> like it, it you know like this could only open you know the door and We're hopefully we'll get some, get some good collabs out of that what's up i mean we're getting closer and closer to a Tilly and Black Eyed Pea song, man. I'm just saying. No, Tilly and Trippy Red. <laughs> actually, <laughs> that actually, Tillian's going to replace actually... Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, oh, what if Fergie replaced Tillian in the <laughs> 17th? Wow. It worked for a Black Eyed Whatever happened to Fergie, Beyonce? the next singer in Amorosa. <laughs> oh, oof. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Anything um, else? Yeah, so uh, Zach from 
from Coletta. He has a band called Kind Of, and they're kind of like a emo mathy, like yeah, like a Midwest emo sounding band. Like if you're a fan of um, Tiny Moving Parts, you blew it, you know stuff like that. You you'll definitely dig that. Um, other other than that, you know, um, I'm I'm in Brazil and. On my flight, I decided to rewatch Lost in Translation, and like Lost, like it's one of my favorite films. And I think one thing that that really helps me appreciate it is like the the soundtrack behind it. Like it, it's got a lot of uh, good shoegazy vibes. Um, you know, like yeah. uh, the Jesus and Mary Chain, My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, Sofia Coppola's always got good um, soundtracks. Yeah, do you know, she's a great, you know what, great film director. I haven't even watched Mary Antoinette, but I listened to the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Lost in Translation has a song called uh, Fuck the Pain Away by Peaches, which I don't know if you've heard that, but Peaches that was like... Peaches. Yeah, that was, that was like the WAP of like the MySpace era. Except it, that, what, like, you know, that, it didn't get any radio play like WAP did. That song got like a lot of help from like the Jackass movies because they just play that song while they're dressed up like old grandpas and shit. That's amazing, and the music video for it was like really sick. Just like home homegirls dancing with fucking Andy Griffith. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely <laughs> interesting. Um, that yeah, I, I guess that's it for me. Other than that, uh, I was listening to Wolf and Bear. Cause they did their live stream and dude, it was it was badass. So shout out to those on guys. Scale, on a scale of one in ten, how would you say it was? One to wolf, one to bear. <laughs> one to bear from bear to wolf. What would you uh, say? It was, was definitely a, a panda. <laughs> Damn. Or a dire wolf. Technically not a bear, but. <laughs> what? What a Pandas panda bear. bear is not a bear. What is it? A koala? <laughs> It's most closely related to a raccoon. Shit, Dude, not. no. <laughs> a panda bear is a bear. Don't you lie to me. It's a bear. It's a bear. It's not a bear. It's a bear. It's a bear. It's a bear. Whatever. This is a zoology yes. podcast. Man, I, I would give them a solid 10, man. They did a great job. They better have those bears and wolves. They got something new coming out too, don't they? Like they yeah, something. they they have a uh, two new singles coming out. Um, uh, nice. yeah, they're like, kind of like sequel like uh, Street Rat and Monstroso. I guess so. Um, yeah, because Street Street Rat and Monstroso were supposed to be part of like a um Swan Fest like only type of deal, but obviously uh. COVID killed that, and, and these new two singles, like, they came as a bundle with with a live stream. Which they played one, and it was sick. Um, they, play, they played, like, my three favorite songs off of their, their last EP. Um, Lifeguard, Delito, and... I don't remember the name of the other one. And then they played like two songs off of Everything is Going Gray and they played Street Rat. So, you know, it's a pretty solid uh, 
30 minute set. It was only $5 too, so $5 well spent. I can dig it. Would you like to go next, Cass? Would you like to go next, Cass? Uh, sure. I guess I'll start out by saying that the new Animal Jam record that came out on Christmas is like amazing and definitely gonna be one of my top records from uh 2020. Been jamming the hell out of that. The, the um, Animal Jam in it, bro. Animal Jam. Good shit. And man. shout out to those it's guys. Really good. Shout out to them. Also from Dallas, like me. So give them extra points for that. Um, let's see. I've been listening to a uh, chair, which is another Johnny Frank project. It's like his acoustic project. Um, and I think people are expecting him to drop new chair music sometime this year, 2021. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of that, I guess. Um, we'll obviously listen to MF Doom and that kind of made me sad because we lost a lot of good artists this year. And so I ended up listening to a lot of Van Halen and then Rush because they both lost two, like they lost like Eddie Van Halen, probably one of the best, probably my favorite guitar player, probably of all time. I think like he made it, he was a big deal to me growing up and he, we lost him this year and Neil Peart, who was an amazing drummer. Um, and actually pretty awesome. He wrote all the songs for Rush too, so he's a pretty amazing songwriter too. And then after that, uh I was I was in San Antonio uh visiting family for the holidays. And San Antonio's kinda has it's San Antonio's very different from the rest of Texas. It has like its own like folk songs almost, I would say. Like they're um, and specifically there's a band called the Texas Tornadoes who kind of do like a twist on like the classic Tejano sound and so I was to a lot of them lately I actually met them like when I was I think in probably sometime in high school but yeah that's pretty much it for me super sick dude um, me, myself, like, other than listening to, like, Ridgeview a bunch this week, just because, you know, they're, they're really good, and we were going to interview them, um, so the, in the group chat, we had Moses and David gushing over the Lion, the Sloth, I checked those guys out, that's, that's actually a really good, like, EP, and they came out with B-Sides recently, really good, top-notch stuff. Dude, best, uh, for me, it skyrocketed to, like, the best thing that's dropped in 2020, it's, like, my favorite, for sure. The, the, the... Birds eating birds, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Do- yeah. AP, yeah. Yeah. Or the album. I. It feels like a whole album because you got the the B sides with it too, but no, that thing is is super sick. I um I definitely appreciate it. it. Got me listening to like the sound that ends creation, Black Matter devices. Like I love that like whole Dillinger noisy band sound. Like it's just it's good stuff. Um, entities, they're like a Sacramento native band. I should have brought those up when we're interviewing homeboys. But they just came out with a, a brand new uh, EP. It's like the first time they've released music since like 2015. Um, great band. 
great sounds like definitely check out entities you can find them like on streaming i think it's under the entities but if you love like groove metal and stuff like that like there were like one of like spearheads in that movement like before gent was like on everybody's like lips and stuff like they were doing that groovy shit like way back in the day like early 2010s while metalcore was still popular with all the little kitties definitely had that very like ambient sound with like the technical metal oh yeah it always tripped me out dude because like my guitar like um the very first band i was ever in like i was in the guitar i was with in a band with a dude that played guitar for entities for a majority of their career and like that dude was like name's cody jarvis he's a genius dude he's always like years ahead of like everybody because when we were uh practicing music like what was popular was post hardcore and he was already on like the metalcore grindcore thing like a year or two like when it was first starting out and then after that fizzled out like he went into like the groove metal gent the sound and that wasn't even popping yet that dude was smart man without a doubt yeah. Oh, I have to give a shout out to our one of our listeners, uh, David John Coffee. He was the uh, the dude that put me on to uh, the Lion in the Sloth, and thank you. I, thank I you, dude. Them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you, you it, all of our our listeners, man, like you know, hit us up. Show some of your favorite bands or your band, like the band that we interviewed today, Ridgeview. They hit us up on MySpace, and I decided to check them out, and I really enjoyed their music. So, hit you know. up on MySpace? We are on MySpace? MySpace on Instagram. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah, added me on to their top eight. Nice. Yeah. I was going to say, I should what I should have brought up, because like, they brought up like, Club Retro <laughs> and like The Underground and stuff. Like That stuff like that, like blows my mind. I haven't heard those like name drops ever, dude. Like, it's been so long, like it just makes me be- go back to the times when I used to see like flyers that said like Catherine and like Mozart season on them. It's like this is a good episode, like yeah, nice like, little blast. I, dude, I went to those shows at the fucking underground. Um, nice. I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the guy that ran, um, um, that that ran the underground, but he was in a band called Scars of tomorrow i believe familiar yeah yeah they were somewhat i could talk to somebody that used to live out there and i'm sure we could find the answers to all this stuff that would probably have to be another day on another episode though but that pretty much wraps it up for my uh my uh weekly listens and all that david what you got david here uh yeah, I was listening to a, a lot like birds and um, <laughs> strawberry <Park>. girls um, <laughs> from first to last. He likes that one from first to last song. Um, um, the, the Texas Rattler. What is that? <laughs> dead baby kick. <laughs> 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 oh. Hey, David came to play today, man. Oh yeah, for five minutes. <laughs> Chores will get you, man. Gotta keep yeah. up with your household. I forgot that, that I had started uh, revisiting that for or the second Chiodos album. Um, but Bone Palace Ballet. 
Yeah, but then I, I didn't keep up with it, but I need to go back and, and re-listen to it. Do you want the, uh, I definitely probably shouldn't stop the recording, but um, I was going to say, do you want the instrumentals for it? <laughs> yeah, sure, because I'd probably enjoy it better. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to enjoy it without Nick Martin? He's from Underminded. I'm just messing with you. No, it's actually like really good tone on that album. It's like Queen-esque. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess my main comparison when it comes to that album and All's Well That Ends Well, they were just, I don't know, slightly more interesting and chaotic on that first album. And then like, I mean, like, you know, the Bone Palace I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's 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 like theatrical. Yeah, it's it's almost too theatrical. Which, I mean, it works. Yeah, my only gripe with All's Well That Ends Well is, like, half of that album is interludes. How perfect it is. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And then some of the interludes are interludes played backwards. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's like half of that album is just like interludes. And like, don't get me wrong, the songs that are on there are amazing. But like, to call that an album when it's like a glorified EP is like, I don't know. Shiro should have skits instead. If your stomach is weak, then my work here is done. Dude, I got my, I got like a, like a, I gotta show you guys pictures. Like, I was gonna try to use like my new mic setup with the podcast, but this is like a, I got like a pro ass looking setup right now. I'll have to show you guys. Be sounding like not Burger King, but like I'm like Uber Eats King. <laughs> I was gonna say when you, um, <laughs> when you first jumped in the call, you still had that Burger King sound. Uh, I'm hoping this is the end of it, cause I'm I've been using this gaming headset. I've had this gaming headset for about a year, and there's no way this shit's gonna keep going. Yeah, I mean my my like the sound on my mic got really bad, kind of throughout. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I'm about to say if I can get some AirPods. <laughs> I heard Air, AirPods are bad though, cause they don't really oh, have really? a condenser. At least that, that's what um. Shane told we'll see. on on his podcast. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm just using the basic like Apple headphones right now. Yeah, which I think he said those work better. Than, okay. Than well, never mind then. I guess that's the podcast. We're like yeah. derailing into. <laughs> We're just bantering now. Yeah. Oh, do we have any listeners in in Brazil? Uh, say what's up. I'm in Sao Paulo right now. You're in trouble, Dan. Moses is coming for you. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that about does it. Wait, for us I have a question, the Moses. Day. Actually, I don't, don't want to. I'm going to ask you on the podcast. But... No, go for it, man. I'm me no, or me Get them. Just was, fuck them up. I was going to say, are people social distancing in Brazil? But I don't want to, like... Oh. No, I mean, they're... Yeah, they're... Like, everybody's wearing masks and stuff. Um, 
I think they're number two to America being number one in like the most COVID cases. Oh boy! So you went from uh, you you actually upgraded. Yeah, so I'm safer yeah, here. Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's brilliant. They have like well, like a billion people or something, so it's like better yeah. per capita, right? So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything's closed down, and like in the part of Sao Paulo that that I'm staying at, which crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I don't know going if it's good. just a Sunday thing or like a full-on COVID thing. <laughs> no, a lot, of, like, a lot of like a lot of like siesta Moses. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of foreign cities are close. Like they close down on Sundays. Like like even parts of like Tokyo, like a lot of mom and pop places are closed on Sundays. Uh, I think it, yeah, it was like the same that. thing in Montreal. Same thing in in uh, Paris. Maybe London. I'm gonna get going. All I'll right. take it. I'll take it, Chris. Time to eat dinner. Yeah. Go to Outback. Oh, dude, don't say that. I want to go to Outback so bad. <laughs> oh, I should have taken you when I went earlier. Yeah, and I'm going Man, on Tuesday. Pocket. <laughs> be safe out there, Moses. I don't want to worry about you, man. What's up? Yeah. Uh, I said, be safe out there, dude. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to get into, like, half the sketchy situations I got myself into when I was here last time. All right, man. <laughs> Moses basically just reenacts the hangover every time he <laughs> travels somewhere. Dude, oh, I have, like, so All many right. stories to tell. Oh, God. That's a whole nother episode. Yeah. I'll see you guys later. Off <laughs> later. Take care. Drop your socials if you like it. Oh, oh wait, you got your big announcement, right, Ryan? Oh, we have a live stream show, but this will probably come out after January 16th, but... We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. January 16th. I need to... Oh, I, uh, I noticed that Pinup Productions is putting it on, or, right? Are they hosting it yeah. or something? Yeah, we we're, we're working on... They're gonna, they uh, reached out to us to be on it, and it's probably one of the bigger opportunities we've gotten... So I mean, hey, Pinup Presents Management—they got all that. They know they know what they're doing. So yeah, this is this is a huge deal for us. Yeah, and like Joel, I think Joel Cupcake is like uh, streaming it on Twitch. So shoot, man, yeah. you guys you guys are breaking into the scene. Oh yeah, we're gonna try, man. I'll, Someday I'll, you'll I'll be too big for us, Ryan. I'll name drop the Demo Team podcast on the stream. I bet, I'll bet on it. Bet on it, bet on it. Damn, we should have had Demo Team Podcast t-shirts. Dude, let's do it right now. I'll write write (laughs) D-T-P-T-P-P-T-S-D on my Demo Team Podcast post-traumatic stress disorder. (laughs) Post. All right. um, I'm dinner. Audio quality disorder. All right, later, guys. Later, Ryan. Later, Moses. Wait.